today, I want to read uh, a portion of the, what we would consider the Christmas story, and um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Well, I, I mentioned on Wednesday night, we received a card, or Rhonda found a card. It said that um, each person is responsible f for their life. No, that's not how it started. Well, I wrote it down here. Um, as the innkeeper, well, anyhow, the idea is you are the innkeeper. Your life, you as an individual, are the innkeeper. And the question is, do you have room for Jesus? Okay? So I wanted to get the direct quote from the card, but I, I have it here. Each of us. Each of us is an innkeeper. Do we have room for Jesus? Who decides if there's room for Jesus? So each of us is an innkeeper who decides whether there is room for Jesus. And so and the, the choice becomes for us. And, and of course, you know, we're here. <laughs> so this is not about us, but it's about, you know, whenever I think of people who don't come to church or don't have time for Jesus. Now, I understand with COVID and people are, you know, have things like that, that, you know, the, the, the barriers that need for indivi certain individuals need to have that. And that's fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who generally, overall, they don't have time for God. There's just like, they're too busy, life has too many things, it's my only day I get to sleep in, on and on and on. I've heard a number of excuses. And of course, the one is that if I walked in the church, the church would fall down. You know, I said, well, we'll try. <laughs> we'll risk it. Come on, <laughs> come, we'll be glad to have you. Well, when, in keeping with that thought, I, I thought of, in Luke chapter 4, excuse me, Luke chapter 14, Jesus is talking about a man planning a dinner. He, he uses this illustration about the kingdom of God and how that there is this invitation to this dinner, this banquet. So verse 16, But Jesus said to him, Once upon a time, a man planned a big dinner, a party, and invited a great many guests. So here we have, now Jesus is telling the story. It's important that whenever we're reading the scriptures, it, I, I like to look at the stories that Jesus tells in order to explain what, he is, what he's meaning. So Jesus is all, always trying to get us to understand things on a natural plane and then take them to a spiritual plane. Now, it, it's, we couldn't understand it if he just gave us these spiritual things and we had to try and figure them out. But he says, just like he tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
Nicodemus says, what do you mean born again? I go into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus, no, no, no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So there is a physical birth and there is a spiritual birth. There's a spiritual awakening in which we ask Christ into our hearts and our lives and it, it is a birth, a spiritual birth that takes place. So he uses these physical ideas and then takes it to another level of bringing us to an understanding of the spiritual part. So he invites many guests. Of course, the giver of the feast here is God. Jesus is the one talking to us about himself, God the Father, and he's inviting many guests. Well, the scripture tells us that um, it is not, God is not willing that any should perish, but everyone should come to repentance. So God's desire is he sends out an invitation to every person. Every person is invited to participate at this dinner. So when a great event happened like this, uh, it was a Jew in the Jewish culture, people would, sit, would invite people to come to a, a great feast, but they would not give them a time. You know, but you look at it, you've got 100 people showing up, there's no refrigeration service. <laughs> there's, there's no catering service. So you've got, you've got to put together, pull together a number of events. You've got to have people cooking and people, you know, baking and all these things. And they don't have microwaves. <laughs> they, have, they don't have ovens. They've got these pots or whatever they put in, uh, cylinders. They're not pots, but they're cylinders. And they, they put food in there to cook or to bake. So if you have 100 people coming, you've got to really look at what you're going to serve and who's making it, and how well that can all be prepared, and there's no time to set. Well, it's going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be 4 in the afternoon. We don't know. <laughs> when we were in Israel, um, we went to this, we were at this church, and, uh, in, and, excuse me, when we were in Israel, when we were in Africa, we went to this church, and we were doing a seminar, and we were supposed to eat at noon, okay? Well, in Africa... They're on a two-hour time difference. If you say 12 o'clock noon, it means 2 o'clock. So <laughs> they were, we, whenever we were supposed to eat break from the seminar, which started at 10, but nobody started showing up till 11.30. <laughs> yeah. You know, everything just kind of goes in a, in a different direction. And so when we were breaking for lunch, they, were pre they just started to fire outside because they had a fire outside in a big pot that ever, the other pastors, the pastors were going to eat from. You know, we couldn't eat from their food. It was, no, no, we might not have made it home. So, <laughs> you know, the one guy says, you can't cook out what they grow it in. So, <laughs> it's just, you know, one of those things. So, so, anyhow, they were on a whole different time zone. Well, in this society, they were not able to just magically say, we're going to have a dinner at 4 o'clock. So they were invited without a set time. It's like the, um, the virgins, the ten virgins, and the bridegroom is going to come. There was the five that were wise that brought extra um, oil and five that were unwise that didn't bring enough. And so you have to prepare that you never know the time. But the, the groom's coming, but you have to be ready. So um, when it was time, when the day arrived and everything was prepared, they would send out messengers, servants, to go out and to tell them everything was ready, come to the feast. 
come to the, to the, the, the meal that has been planned that you've been invited to. So the man planning the party sent out these save the date. <laughs> yeah, those save the date things. I get, we get them for weddings. People even send me invitations to remind me I'm supposed to marry them. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Rhonda says, you know, we got to get ready for this wedding. It's coming up this summer. And I guess, what wedding? It's on your calendar. So anyhow, I have a save the date going on. So Jesus spoke in parables to the Jews and their rejection of the message that Jesus presented. So this is a story about the king having a banquet and inviting people. So, of course, this supper is the supper that God is referring to. He is the giver of the feast. And many were of Israel were in this long line of generations that have been invited. The prophets and so on had, had spoken to them about the kingdom of heaven and how that they needed to prepare that Christ is coming. There is a banquet in heaven, things like that. And everybody's had the invitation, but people kind of lost sight of when it would be. So verse 17. At dinner time, he sent his servants out to tell those who were invited. Um, so these are the invited. Perhaps... <laughs> They are the individuals who came, who were the prophets and preachers, the, the prophets of the past had spoken to the people and called them to repentance. He could also look forward to uh, Jesus, his ministry, and the apostles and those afterwards. So to receive Jesus Christ as the Messiah, Savior, Redeemer, it was to welcome guests and be welcome to this marriage supper. Revelation 19 says, And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So when Jesus is telling this story about the king offering a supper, offering a wedding feast, he's talking about the marriage of the Lamb, the church being united with Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus said, I will not take of this fruit of the vine until I do it with you in my Father's kingdom. This is what he's talking about. This is the event that he is referring to. So, it, this, this story uh, comes to us on many different levels. It is looking backwards to the events of the time, the prophets of the Old Testament, and the, the, the people of Israel back before Christ's birth, the, the, the message of Jesus, the, the, new, the church, the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, and the Jewish people, some of them receiving, some of them not, and going on to the time we're in. And so this parable is one that, kind of transcends all of this. So the messengers are sent out in verse 17, the second part says, please come, everything is ready. Everything is ready. The fact is, the invited were pleased to be invited. I, I, when I was putting this together, my first thought was, people who, who, who go to church, or, you know, maybe with Christmas coming, people who will show up, not, he, not here, of course, but other places, that <laughs> people who will show up, and they're, they're pleased to be invited to church on Christmas Eve. They are pleased to be invited to church on Easter. They're, they're, they're pleased to, to make their appearance. Me, I'm happy 
I'm glad everybody comes. But this is talking about, perhaps Jesus is referring to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They show up in their wealth and their grandeur and their great robes and everything, and they want, every, they want the full attention. And I don't see many people doing that, but we'll move on. I was, in my mind's eye, I was picturing something of a different place. <laughs> and so, these people are very glad that they're invited. But at this point, the matter, that, the matter of the king and his son just don't quite cut it. They're glad they're invited, but I'm not going. Did you ever get an invitation to say, I'm not going? You never did that. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, God and their relationship with Jesus you know, they're, they, they're just, they, they, the king has invited him, but their relationship with the king and the son, it's just not the best. So the banquet, the celebration of the marriage had no effect on their lives. We were invited to go to this with the king, the king of kings and lord of lords, and God himself has sent us an invitation I'm glad to be invited, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going because I'm not going to change my life, and I don't want to dress up for that affair. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, basically change my life. So the time of the supper is the time of the Lord's coming. Hmm. When the kingdom of heaven was first announced, be ready for the servant to call. Be ready for the marriage supper. Be ready for this banquet. Because at a certain day, the servants are coming to call for you to attend. Verse 18 again. But they all, as one man, began to make their excuses. So these individuals, now perhaps you know of individuals, you know, that you talk to them about church, or they were part of the church, or, you know, they've been away from God, or never have been to church. And uh, you, they... they Treat the whole idea with indifference. That's the situation Jesus is talking of. They began to make their excuses. They were indifferent. <laughs> they talk about the kingdom of heaven, yet care little for it. They all had unknowingly, but unanimously agreed to make the excuse not wanting to come. You know, talking to many different people, that, you know, don't go, have not, have not attended church, have never been part of church, and, and you invite them, and they all kind of have that, not, you know, many of them have the same agreement. I, I don't, nothing against it, but <laughs> I, I don't really want to go. I have this to do. And then, and see, it's almost like the same thing going on here. These three individuals that are spoken of, they were invited, but unanimous, uh, unanimously, but not you know, coordinately, coordinating this whole event, they decided not to come. You see, they were, <laughs> I call this the great refusal. They were not able. They were not available. They had something more important. <laughs> something has come up. No set of people asked to attend church and a great banquet would behave as these people do. If we understood if, the pe if people understood what happens here, if people understood what happens 
to us in our life and our spirit, our outlook. I remember, I, I, I go back to a, a young man and his wife and three kids, they sat over here. This was, oh, 40 years ago. Maybe we've been here 40, so about 37 years ago, somewhere in there. A guy sat there with his family, and, and I remember it really impressed me because I felt that this was a turning point in their life. And they came once or twice, and, and I talked to the individual, and he says, you know, I've got a lot of other things. I think I'm going to go in a different direction with my life. And that, sorry to say, his life ended up in divorce. His kids became very problematic. He, he got into a lot of different things with the law, and his life took a total different direction. And I often wonder, would you, looking back over your life, was that the point in which your life changed forever? When you said, I think I have other things to do with my life. You know, and I look back at that and it, you know, breaks my heart <laughs> to think that people, there are certain times and certain seasons that people make decisions that are life-changing choices. That if they would, when they look back over their life from eternity, will they see that place where they made that decision that was a turning point in their life towards God or away from God? That's what this story is. But it's about Jesus is telling them about all the people who had all of the advantages. They were, they were Jews. They had the ancestral heritage. They had the prophets. They had the, the, uh, the Torah, the law. They had teachers of the law. They had all of this going for them, but just can't make it. <laughs> These individuals place the greater value on lesser things. Verse 18 again. First one said, I bought some land. I must go and look at it. Please excuse me. So this could be read, I've bought the farm. <laughs> that doesn't mean he died. But he bought a farm. He bought the land. And I have to go look at it. You know, I, I need to go and do something else. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Well, again, please convey my apologies. It's like, you know, I bought these oxen and, you know, I got to make sure that they can work together and, you know, I have a big investment here. And the other one says, I've gotten married <laughs> and I'm going on my honeymoon. You got to let, I'm out of this. I'm not going. So you see that under Jewish law, this, this one here is kind of, you know, it's like, if you read these things, it's like, well, those are, those are pretty good excuses. But what goes on here, and especially this one, under Jewish law, the law of Moses, that a person could be exempt from military service if they were building a house, if they were planting a vineyard, or if they had gotten married. So this guy is equating going to the marriage supper banquet as getting married, and he is exempt from going to the banquet. You know, like... I got married. I don't have to go to the banquet. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the type of attitude that the, you know, Jesus is saying people 
are looking at this, and there they are with all of this heritage and all these no- with all this knowledge of the law. They are there and they have this going for them, and yet, man, I'd rather get married than go to that banquet. <laughs> so, so what would be the sin of these things? Well, the attraction of, of the property, of the land, is kind of the idea of possessing earthly goods. I've got things I have to invest my life in that are basically, we say, temporal, that are here. They're not permanent, but they're, you know, land, important things. The second one is business. I've bought 10 oxen. Well, 10 oxen would be like a status symbol of, of the farmer, that he's got land, he's got oxen, He's got to have slaves or, or people to, to work the land. Um, they, these as a businessman, a, a person, um, des- you know, has the desire to get more, to, to profit and, and be looked at, looked up to, to in, in society. And the third is family and domestic life that fills one life, fills their life, leaves no room for a higher purpose. So it's all about what they had in mind, what they wanted to possess, and how that it was going to have effect upon them. The people were so preoccupied with daily activities, they have no time for Jesus. They have no time for the king and his banquet. Remember the innkeeper? (laughs) There is no room. Why? Well, the city is full to capacity. There are crowds everywhere. There are people just bulging out everywhere. But you see, we don't have room for you. Did you ever look at something and, and, and just kind of write it off only to come back to, f- to find out, wow, that was really important. <laughs> and it di- I didn't register. And this is what goes on with these, with these situations. So the three men and their excuses... They, they came because they made excuses. Why? Because they didn't want to be there. <laughs> I remember um, a, a seminar I went to, and the guy was talking about if you had an appointment, you know, this was a business dealing. He said if you had an appointment, a business appointment that you needed to be at that was going to change your life, um, would you be there? He said, well, how many people would leave it to chance? How many people would say, well, you know, it's a half hour, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm a few minutes late. And he said, but this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Your whole life is going to hinge on this opportunity. What are you going to do? And the guy said, if this were the biggest opportunity in my life, I'd camp out there the night before to make sure nothing prevented me from being where I needed to be at the appointed time. And you see, in our life, our relationship with Jesus Christ is so important that there is nothing in this life, nothing that we can possess, no land, no success, (laughs) no military service, I can get out of this. No, there's nothing that can compare to knowing Jesus. So the servant returned, verse 21, the servant returned and reported all this to the master, and the master of the house was extremely annoyed. Another translation has it, he was 
angry. <laughs> he was, well, he was upset. <laughs> I want to read, there's another similar story that's told in Matthew 22. Jesus is telling this story. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. I think we need to pay attention to those things that Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like the man who served, sowed good seed in the field. And at night, the, they come in, the, the angry neighbor or whatever came in through bad seed. That's life. Well, pull them out. No, don't pull it out. He said, at the end time, they'll be separated, the good and the bad. So in this one, he says, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who made a marriage for his son. And again, this is Jesus, God the Father and Christ. And he sent forth his servants and called them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Uh, verse 4, again, he sent forth the servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. <laughs> but they made light of it. They went their way, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. <laughs> so they were going to what they felt was, more, was important. And the remnant, verse 6, and the remnant took his servants and treated them spitefully and slew them. They didn't want to go so bad that they, they killed their, the, the servants. This would be like the Old Testament killing the prophets. And also, <laughs> speaking of Jesus and the disciples, Verse 7, but when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth the armies and destroyed those murderers and burnt up the city. We say, well, when did that happen? Well, 40 years later, the Romans destroyed the city of Jerusalem, burned it to the ground, and, and destroyed the, the, Jew, the, the population. So the marriage supper that we are invited to is of, is, it carries with it a great importance. And I know there are times, and this is not about beating us up and making us guilty and all this. This is about understanding the, the, the importance of our relationship with Jesus. And there are so many things in life that clamor for our attention, that crowd in and, and make things very important in our life, the urgent things. There are so many urgent things, but there is the urgent and there is the important. We have to understand that the important is greater than the urgent. Because the urgent is always there. But the very important things, hmm, we've got to have a, a heart that sees them. Verse 21. And he said to his servants, hurry out now unto the streets and alleys of the town and bring here the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. <laughs> He's telling them to go out into the highways and byways, go into the alleys and bring people in. This is the, this is the place where the poor people, the homeless people, and go out into the hedges. The hedges where they were the fence rows were cat to keep cattle from going out of their, you know, they didn't have electric fences or barbed wire. They would plant thorny bushes in rows to keep the cattle in place, and people would be sleeping at those hedges. Wandering Gentiles, poor people, 
would be wandering the streets, wandering and sleeping in these hedgerows. And, and, the, and the master says, go find them and bring them in. We see here the grace of, the, the grace of God and the mercy of God being shi- shining out to all who are around them. And Jesus is saying those who know the most, <laughs> they consider this the least. But go find those who are lame, who are blind, who, who have problems. Bring them to the feast. Then the servant says, I have done that what you told me, sir. And there is still an empty place. It's saying that the kingdom of God is so vast that there is so much greatness in the kingdom of God. No matter how many come, there's still room for more. Then the master replied, no, go out to the roads and the hedgerows and, may, and make them come inside so that the house may be full. So they, they went to these places. There were the shelters and the homeless and the, and the highways and the places where people were sleeping on the roads and in these hedgerows and invited them to come in, compelling them. Do not allow them to make excuses. I'm not good enough. I'm not dressed well enough. I'm too poor to come to the king's banquet. And Jesus is telling us, this is his story. No, everyone is welcome. No matter how poor, no matter how lame, no matter how destitute, everyone is welcome. Press them, bring them, Bring them to the banquet, verse 24. For I tell you that not one of the men I invited shall have a taste of my dinner. Those who I sent the invitation to, those of the, of the Jewish community that the prophets sent to, even in the Gentiles in the, in the, with the Gospels and with the uh, disciples, those who heard and they were invited, said they will not taste of my dinner. When the marriage supper of the Lamb happens, those who didn't have time for the king's dinner, Jesus is saying, will never taste of it. The invitation is there. It's free. But God wants us to enter in. Do this in remembrance of me, the communion. Remember what I've done for you. Receive it into your life. So the invitation has arrived. We look at the invitation and it says to us that God has invited us to his his supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb that John speaks about in the book of Revelation. Whenever the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise, you see, we've come to the dinner. We've come to the dinner. We've accepted Christ as our Savior. We know that Christ has a place for us and that when in time arrives, we will be there at that table with him because nothing is more important than knowing Jesus. <laughs> and so when that trump sounds, the dead in Christ and will rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught, to, caught up to meet him in the air. Jesus, <laughs> my life is empty without you. So I think of what we closed with last week, that God wants us to walk with him. And Jesus says, you know, we're to say to Jesus, come walk with me. Or maybe I think more of it, Jesus is saying to us, come walk with me. Because the king of kings has prepared the supper and he says to us, come dine with me. 
come dine with me. You know, there was a song in the hymnal we used to sing years ago. Uh, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. <laughs> you know, you may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who called the multitude. There's another with a, in sin, but anyway, I can't remember it now. But the whole idea is come and dine. And so our, our admonition, the invitation, is that we be ready for when the master calls. And when the master calls, the trump of God shall sound, and we shall go. And we shall sit at that table with Jesus and would dine with him. And Jesus uses this story to tell us about people who just don't take the invitation seriously. Amen? I would sing, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine, but I can't. So, <laughs> let's all stand, shall we? So, we can feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude, turned the water into wine, tells us to come and dine, and dine at the master's table. Jesus, we thank you for these Stories that you tell us that can take us from things that we know to, Lord, to spiritual truths that will keep us and our souls safe with you. We continue to thank you for blessing us, and we thank you for this holiday season and the Christmas season. But, Lord, we know it speaks of your birth, your life, your coming to be with us. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for hearing our prayers, knowing the desires of our heart, and that, God, you will guide us. And help us not to be the, one of those who son, just seemingly take for granted the call that you have upon our lives. Let us, restar- re- let us respond to that call and call you Master, Savior, Friend. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.